Fun. Take your Bibles. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, four epistles there. All right, Ephesians chapter 6. This morning we're going to talk about the war in your head, the war that takes place in your head. And uh, some people refer to this as spiritual warfare. You can call it whatever you want to, but you need to listen to what the Bible says this morning. And I want you to just believe, if you've never heard this before, just believe what the Bible says this morning. If you've heard it before, you need to be reminded because we have a tendency to forget that there's a war going on in our heads and that we're the subject of it. There's two great Bible realities I want you to hear this morning. One is this, you, you live in a war. You're under assault. You say, Brother Brown, I, I live in Saxby Hall, North Carolina. It's the hippest center. Now, I'm not talking about the physical world. There is a spirit realm around us. Do you believe there's a spirit realm? You wouldn't be in church if you didn't. There's a spirit realm and there are two great powers in that spirit realm. One is benevolent, one is malevolent. One's good, one's bad. And you are under constant assault from the dark side. I'm fixing to show it to you in scripture. If you lose that reality, you're going to be a prisoner of war. There's a constant battle going on in the spirit realm, uh, manifesting in different ways. And that, that's the one great reality. You just have to live in the reality that till I see Jesus face to face, I'm going to be in a war zone. You, you just, you got to get this guys. I'm in a war zone. Many of the, so much of the junk going on around us that we can't explain points back to that. We have got to start believing what the Bible says. Here's the other great reality. Thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. There's no reason for you to ever lose one battle. Now that, that's, the, that's the other reality. I know Christians that have become obsessed with this stuff, but they walk around getting their butts kicked all the time. <laughs> no, yes, there's a war. You're supposed to win it. Our Heavenly Father has given you everything you need. I'm going to quote that again. That's 2 Corinthians 10, excuse me, 2 Corinthians 2, 14. Thanks be unto God who always, always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. And obviously it's talking about this spiritual war that, that we find ourselves in. And then through us manifest the fragrance of the knowledge of Jesus. All right, but listen to me. There's an if, there's a big if here. If you don't get in the ball game and you don't fight this battle, you're going to get thumped. I mean, I mean, a 30-pound child can wear a 200-pound man out eventually if he don't do something. If you don't get in the ball game, you're going to get your head tore up and your life torn up. I want you to read with me. Let's just agree this morning. We're going to read some scripture in Ephesians 6. Can we just agree that the Word of God is truth? That it reveals things that we can't see? Let's read it. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, the Bible says, Finally, my brethren... Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So that tells me there's power available to me that's not mine. That should be clear. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. All right, we're going to go deep this morning. If there's not something coming on to you, why Ephesians 6, 11? Why did he tell you put this on so you can stand because somebody's coming after you? I mean, it's just, this should be pretty clear. Verse 12. We do not wrestle or battle or war against flesh and blood. What's flesh and blood? People, not even yourself. A lot of you beating yourself up, it's not you. We do not war against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. You know what a principality or a power is? It is a spiritual power that rules over an area, a principal area. That's why it's called a principality. There are, uh, there are huge principalities. There's a, one huge principality rules America. It's not lust, it's greed. 
And if you can fly into Washington, D.C., there's a principality, a, a spirit being that rules over the Washington, D.C. area. There's a powerful principality that rules over the San Francisco Bay area. Uh, they're different. Principalities are assigned spirits that work over areas. And you can see that. Let's read verse 12. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Uh, excuse me, verse uh, 12. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers against the rulers of the darkness of this age. All right, question. Is there any darkness in this age right now? You sure? Is somebody behind it? What does it mean, rulers of the darkness of this age? Somebody's calling the shots behind the darkness. Can you see it? Against the rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual beings of wickedness. Now, when it says heavenly places, there's the first heaven, not the heaven where our father is. Heavenly right here, there's three heavens in the Bible, three words for heaven in the Bible. This means around your head. It means the atmosphere around us, the spirit realm around us. Can you see that there are spirit beings or hosts in the air around us? Are you with me? Uh, they're, just, they're like roaches, they're everywhere. It's like flies in the summertime. They're just there. Right, what does the Bible tell me in verse 12? I'm in a struggle with these beings. Well, if I don't know it and I don't act like it, they're gonna wear my head out. That's why he said, take up the armor. All right, verse 13 again. Take up the whole armor of God so you can stand. Verse 14, stand therefore having girded your waist with what? Truth. 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 That's, the whole, that's it right there. Dear ones, the whole battle is over truth or lie. It's over truth or lie. Our enemy is a liar. Our father's the truth. And all, the, whole, the entire battle centers around that. You can read the rest of it. He talks about a breastplate of righteousness. Quit beating yourself up. Jesus has made you righteous. The boots of peace where you can just, where you're, you're not nervous, you're not afraid, you just stand in peace. You've got a helmet called salvation. What does a helmet do? It protects your head, which is where the battle takes place. And then you've got something called the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God praying. It's not the word of God, it's the word of God praying with all prayer and supplication. Right, this, so there's simply, here's the picture. You're caught up in a battle whether you like, I don't like it. I wish hell would go back to hell and leave me alone. I want to feed my birds, eat my breakfast and enjoy life. I don't have a choice in the matter. I am living in a war zone. But can you see that my father has given me something and given me a guarantee? If you use this stuff, you will be on the top side every time. It's that simple. All right, demons, it's always lie versus truth. It's not about, there's not a spirit of flat tires. That's a nail. We're getting so goofy in this stuff. It all boils down to this, truth or lie, truth or lie. Do you believe a lie or do you heard, or if you're hearing the truth? I don't want you to look at some scripture with me real quick. I want you to turn with me to John chapter eight, verse 44. Our enemy's assault always comes from one place. Look with me in John chapter eight, verse 44. How many have ever met anybody is just a habitual liar? I mean, I'm not talking about somebody who's like, well, lie. I didn't get one amen out of that. Well, everybody was amening on the habitual liars and then I called us out and we got crickets in here. I just, well, lie. We're getting, we're getting better. He's helping us. But have you ever met somebody they can't speak without lying? I met a few folks like that in my life and it, it is a lying spirit. The Bible talks about a lying spirit. I mean, they, they'll lie when they don't need to. It just, it's just, I think I'll tell a lie. Get them out of trouble or nothing. Guess where it comes from? Look at me in John chapter eight, verse 44. You are of your father, the devil. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't mean to laugh. The ministers asked Jesus one day what he thought of them. 
That was his answer. He said, you are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. Now, let's watch this. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. He is a liar and the father of lies. Tell me about my enemy. What does he do? Murderers destroy, but what, is he, what does he always use? Lies. Every, the, Jesus said every time he speaks, it's a lie, and he is the author of lies. Every lie that's ever been told ultimately was born in hell. Uh, th- this, is his, uh, this is his thing. Now, dear ones, the Father's armor is what? Take up all the armor of God, which is simply truth. Tell me what sets you free. We're going to see that in a minute. John 8, 31, 32. Jesus, well, let's, we're there. Let's look in John 8, chapter, 30, chapter 8, verse 31. Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, if, if, now dear ones, they already believe in him, but there's something more than believing. If you will abide in my word, you're my disciples, you will know the truth. Tell me what truth does. Makes you free. Can you see they were already believers? You say, I don't believe a believer can be in bondage to Satan. What? Read it again. He said to his disciples, you have to stay in my word or you won't be free. You could, you, he said to his disciples, if you abide in my word, you'll know the truth. Tell me the only thing that keeps us free. Truth. You don't have to cast the devil out of your cooking oil. Just know the truth. It is truth that brings freedom into our lives. And the more truth we get in us, the freer and freer we become. And the less and less we suffer from Fear, anxiety, low self-esteem, lust, hatred. I mean, I shouldn't even started the list. All that garbage is a lie. The only thing that delivers me is the truth of God. And we walk through this thing. All right, Jesus in his goodness showed us how to do it. I want you to turn to Luke chapter four and let's look at how we actually do this. This is that great picture where Jesus said, I'm gonna let him assault me and I'm gonna take the sword of the spirit and I'm going to use it on him as an example to show you how to do it. Let me tell you where we're at. Luke chapter four, Jesus, uh, of course, he was born. He lived for 30 years as a, as a humble man. Nobody knew who he was. And then all of a sudden, one day he goes to see his cousin, John. He gets baptized in the Jordan River. The spirit of God comes down on him in visible form. And this is right after Jesus is baptized. As soon as he's baptized, watch what happens to him. Luke chapter four, verse one. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan where he was baptized and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being attacked or tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing. And afterward, when they'd ended, he was very hungry. There were not three temptations. There were 40 days of assaults. And then three separate attacks. And these are the ones that are recorded here. Don't you look with me. Verse three. And the devil said to him, Let's just stop right there. You believe that this guy called devil can speak? How many of you have ever heard him? Daily. I don't know why we struggle with this. It's like our American pseudo-intellectualism scorns and laughs at this. We're laughing at the one who's eating our lunch in this nation. Friends, God, God's word is truth. And this, thing, this guy owns my nation right now and we laugh at his existence. Is it any wonder he's eating our lunch? All right. How did he speak to Jesus? Did Jesus hear a voice? No, sir. You got to remember something. Hebrews says this. Jesus was tempted in all points as we are. I've never heard the devil speak out loud one time. It comes as thoughts. 
thoughts come into your mind. The, in Ephesians 6, it talked about take up the shield of faith so you can quench all the fiery darts of the evil one. He is not shooting eastern arrows at you. Thoughts. They come as thoughts. Acts chapter 5, he said to a born-again, spirit-filled believer, Ananias, why did you let Satan put it in your mind to lie to the Spirit of God? Then when your enemy comes to you in thoughts and also in impressions in your spirit, Remember, this comes out of the spirit world. Your ears for the visible, audible world. He lives in the spirit world and he connects with our intellect. So uh, the, the thought came to Jesus' mind. He's tempted just like we are. I want you to look at the temptation. Verse three. And the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. That was the temptation. All right, now I'm gonna ask you a trick question so don't answer quick. What was the first temptation? It was not to turn the stone into bread. What was it? You don't even belong to God. What do he say to him? If you are the son of God, if you're a Christian, you ever heard this? And you thinking you're a Christian, act like that. Guess who was eating your lunch at that moment? Guess, guess who can come in a moment and bring a thought into your mind and you not even know he's there? First temptation was to challenge your relationship with God. What do you ask him? <laughs> do you think he knew? If you are the son of God, all right, we're in Luke chapter four. Look back up a few, all right, remember what happened to Jesus? He just got baptized. Now he's being attacked. Look with me in Luke chapter three, verse 21. Luke 3, 21. All the people were baptized. It came to pass that Jesus was baptized. Verse 21, and while he prayed, the heaven was open. The Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove on him and a voice came from heaven which said, you are my beloved son and you I'm well pleased. What's the last thing Jesus heard the father say to him before he heard the devil ask him that? You are my son. Satan turns right around and says, if you are the son of God, you got to hand it to him. He is humorous at times. So what's the temptation? Who you are? Do you belong to God? Are you a child of God or not? I'm just going to tell you right now, he's going to tempt you in two, he's going to attack you in two areas constantly. Who God is and who you are. He's going to attack the Father's nature, whether he's good or not, and he's going to attack who you are in Christ Jesus. He's always going to attack your identity. A loser, a low life, a failure, can't get it right. This garbage comes from hell. Listen to me, listen to me. We're not in a battle with flesh and blood. I'm not even wrestling with myself. You'd quit beating yourself up if you realize who's knocking in your head. All right, can you see what he did? He attacked him in this area of, if you are the son of God, Command this stone to become bread. All right, listen to me now. <clears throat> I'm going to hurt somebody's feelings here. I'm sorry. But dear ones, I, I just believe that truth is more important than everybody getting their way. Amen. Only truth can set you free. We got to break with the silly emotionalism in today's church. Truth. There's a current contemporary Christian song that goes, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's look. All right. Uh, what do you think Jesus did? Verse four. Jesus answered him and said, what's the three words Jesus said? It is written. Guess what he's talking about? He's talking about the word of God. What is your answer for everything the enemy brings into your head? God's word. Sanctify them by your word. Your word is truth. Dear ones, God's word is truth. And you'll never know truth till you know the word of God. It is absolute truth. How did Jesus handle the enemy? He didn't scream, he didn't run, he didn't go back for help. He simply spoke, what does the word of God say? Listen, you gotta get this. 
What does the word of God say? Or what is truth? Only truth can overcome a lie. And we've got to get help on this thing. And he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Dear ones, where does all truth come from? It comes from the mouth of God. All right, uh, there's a contemporary Christian song that goes like this. And when the lie speaks louder than the truth, remind me I belong to you. Show me that in the Bible. You're not, when lies are speaking, you're not, it's not his responsibility to remind you of anything. He gave you his word. When lies speak louder than the truth, it's your responsibility to turn around and say, get thee behind me. It is written. It is written. We have got to get back to the word of God in our churches today. Our lunch is getting eaten because we're living out of our emotions, our intellect, what other people are saying. We need to live our lives. It is written. This is the, there's the only one defense against our enemy, and it is that it is written of his word. All right, the scripture said that he answered, it is written, man should, we got something ringing in here. Somebody find out what's ringing in here and let's get it off so we can have church, all right? Somebody get around there, let's see what the deal is there. All right, verse five. Now the second temptation, then the devil took him up on a high mountain, the scripture said, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time, and the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you and their glory for it's been delivered to me. I give it to whomever I wish. Worship me, it's all yours. All right, what was the second temptation? Does anybody know? The second temptation was, don't trust God to give you what you're looking for in life. Come to me for it. He said, what did he say? He showed him everything there was. He showed him fame, he showed him wealth, he showed him, I mean, you name it. He showed him all the kingdoms of this world and he said, I'll give you this stuff, come to me. All right, and Jesus answered, I want you to notice with me again. Let's look in verse eight. Jesus answered and said, get behind me, Satan. What does that mean? What does it mean, get behind me? Walk around behind me. That's, that's Greek for shut your face. It's Greek for silence. Or it, it could be said like this, I'm not gonna hear it. Dear ones, when you're, it is good to be gentle with people. It's good to be humble, but you don't need to be gentle and humble with your enemy. Let me tell you what we need to do. We need, we need to quit being so ugly with each other and being passive with our enemy, and we need to start being humble with each other and be aggressive with our enemy. Do you understand you treat people different depending on how they act? All right, my children, when they're little, they go to bed at night, you kiss them, you're gentle with them. But if I'm walking down the hall and I see a gangbanger crawling through the window, I will not be gentle with him. You change modes when an enemy comes into your house. Dear ones, you need, to be, you need to be gracious with people. Be ye kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. But when an enemy gets in your head, you don't need to be kind to him. You need to say, well, let me, I'm trying not to talk like I do in private. You need to say, shut up. Get out of my hair. Get out of my face. Get out of my head. Get out of my life. Go back to hell where you came from. Silence, evil one. That it is the spirit of, I ain't taking this. Amen. I, I clear. <laughs> Bless you, dear heart. We, we, we're not living the word. I believe I could come up with somebody with a ping pong pound and just start banging on their head. They'd just stand there and just smile. No, no, it's time to say, quit hitting me in the head. Are you with me? When lies come into our heads, we need to say, get out of here. And Jesus resisted and pushed back. He said, get behind me, evil one. Look with me, verse eight. Jesus said to him, get behind, get behind me, Satan. What did he say next? It is written. Doings, Jesus is all, a, he's all caught up in this Bible stuff, isn't he? Like we should be. 
He is obsessed with the Word. Somebody told me the other day, I really appreciate you always pointing us back to the Word of God. That's all you got. The Word of God's all we've got. It is ultimate truth in our lives. And then he, he, of course, he said, it is written. And then he quoted, notice this. You shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. All right, the enemy of my soul offered Jesus everything he was looking for apart from God. He said, nope. You know what he said? God will give me everything I'm looking for. I will look to him alone. He'll give me what my heart desires. He'll give me everything I need. And, and dear ones, I want to point something out to you. How did Jesus know the Bible so well? Well, now wait a minute. Somebody said, well, he's God. He wrote it, but you got to remember something. He became a man when he walked on this earth. Jesus had to learn the Bible the same way me and you did to be able to quote. He learned it. And there was, you you cannot uh, use a word that you don't know. I'm going to go deep here. You can't use a word that you don't know. That's what Jesus said. If you abide in my word, then you will know the truth and the truth can set you free. All right, we got one more. Let's look at it. Verse nine. Then he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, I thought we settled that. Are you telling me that he'll lie to you the same lie twice? Let let me help y'all with something. He knows the truth. He stood in the presence of truth for centuries. He's going to find out whether you know the truth or not. He knows what it is. He said, if you are the son of God, <clears throat> throw yourself down from here for it is written. Now who's quoting the Bible? It is written. He'll give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands, they'll bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. Now that's not really what we're talking about this morning, but the, I'm going to show you how, can I use the word slick? Well, actually, the word is cunning. The Bible uses the word cunning. The Bible talks about how cunning he is. He sees that Jesus is going to stick with the Bible. Now who's going to use the Bible? It was your enemy will quote the Bible to mess you around. And he said, he took him up to the very top of the pinnacle, the temple, 60 feet in the air. And he said, won't you throw yourself down? What, what's this about throw yourself down? The people will see that you're somebody. And then he quoted the scripture. It's found in Psalm chapter eight. He said, he will give his angels charge over you. He said, throw yourself down, let the angels catch you. And Jesus answered and said, Arana, it is spoken, get behind me. I'm not gonna tempt the Lord my God. You said, well, how do you know what scripture to use? Like, like, here's the point. We're messing up using the Bible. Your enemy will use the Bible and beat you up with it. What's the only difference? The spirit of God's gotta show you which verse to use at that moment. Now, dear ones, let me teach you something about this book. This book was written by the Spirit. It only works when he's in charge of it. More damage has been done by this book in the hands of people that don't know the Spirit of God. All right, let me give you an instance. And I'm just going to pick one. The book of Proverbs, it says, do not rebuke a fool lest you get a a rebuke for yourself. Two verses later, it says, rebuke a fool and he will learn. Which one? Dear ones, you can't use this book apart from the Spirit of God. The spirit inside of you has got to show you that's not me right there or this is me right here. And the enemy used the Bible. to. How many people have I seen messed up with Bible verses because they didn't listen to the voice of God in their hearts at the right time? But Jesus was having none of it. And he said, I'm not going to tempt the Lord my God. All right, let me show you something good here. Uh, Verse 13, when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from Jesus. That's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. The enemy finally left. 
Did you notice that Jesus walked in absolute victory? But you say, well, it's because he was the son of God. No, 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 no. He used the same thing he gave you and he used it to show you, you can absolutely shut down every lie that comes to you and you can overcome this stuff so well. And, uh, but I want you to notice something. What's the rest of that verse say? He departed from him till when? What does it say? An opportune time. When you're tired, when things are not going well, when there's strife in your life, our enemy is smart enough to know this wouldn't be a good time to jump them right now. They're filled with the Holy Ghost and people are cheering for them and they're, they're, they're eating well and they're feeling good. Let's wait till an opportune time. Demons, I want to tell you something. The, the war is real and we're getting beat to death because we do not know how to take this word and use it. Now, if you're thinking, Brother Brown sounds like a lot of work to me. <sighs> you can't sit in a recliner and win a war, Doc. Ask our boys that are over fighting right now. This, we, let me ask you a question. Are your children worth it? Is your marriage worth it? Is your life worth it? How many believers today are suffering in a place they should not suffer because they would not get in the ball game and, and fight this fight and go through this battle and deal with it? All right, this is, this is how the battle is. All right, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna show you from scripture how it is, I want to show you a picture of the enemy coming and how he works in our lives. I'm going to turn to the book of Revelation, where we get a revelation. And uh, Revelation's pretty much linear, but there are a few chapters in Revelation that are not in the line of history. They're just pictures where it says, let me teach you something right here. And Revelation chapter 12, if you want to read the whole thing sometime, is that great picture of the tremendous war in the spirit realm. And it talks about a dragon. It talks about Michael and his angels fighting. It's, it's just wild. I, I don't know that Mr. Spielberg's ever come up with anything this wild yet. But one of the great revelations we get out of Revelation chapter 12 is how our enemy works in our lives. Don't you look at me in Revelation chapter 12, verse 17. Now, now remember, uh, let me, before we read it, let me say something to you about the book of Revelation. It's different from the other 65 books in the Bible. Because the book of Revelation begins like this. These things he sent and signified or signified. In other words, it's in uh, apocalyptic language. Let me say it better than that. It's in pictures. It's in wild pictures. When it talks about locusts, a giant locust with fire, fire coming out of their mouths and horses with red horses that have the power. This is, these are spiritual pictures. You understand that? And the spirit of God helps us to understand these. So in Revelation chapter 12, last verse, verse 17, and the dragon, guess who the dragon is? That would be the enemy of your soul. The dragon was enraged with the woman. Tell me the condition of the enemy. Well, let's just go ahead and read it. And he went to make, with, with, to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. I had talks earlier that he's enraged because he knows he has but a short time left. Do you think the enemy of our soul knows that his lease is fixing to expire on this earth? Tell me the condition of the enemy right now. What is it? He's what? He's in an absolute fury. He is enraged. He's mad. He's angry. He's destroyed. What do people do when they get angry? They tear stuff up. Let's read verse 17 again. The dragon was enraged with the woman. Who is the woman? It's the bride of Christ. He's enraged with the woman. You say, I never done nothing to him. Oh, yes, you did. You accepted Jesus as your savior. This is like wearing an American flag on your jacket and being dropped in Iran. 
That's exactly the picture where you live right now. You've been dropped behind enemy lines. And the Bible says he enraged with the woman and, and went to make war with her and the rest of her offspring who do two things. Keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now you tell me, what does Revelation 12, 17 reveal to you? Somebody's angry with me. He's enraged and he is coming to make war with me because I have the testimony of Jesus and I want to follow Jesus. So I, I don't want to be in this battle. Let, let your preacher help you. It don't matter whether you want to be or not. There are a lot of things I don't like happening to me now. One of the great advantages of heaven is his mouth will be sealed forever. But we're not there yet. We're not there yet. We're still in the battle zone here. All right. Now, here's the question. How does he make war with, with the woman that loves Jesus, that is the bride of Christ? Well, the answer to that is in verse 15. Let's read it. So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away from the flood. How does he make war with the woman? What comes out of your mouth? Not, not, not H2O, words. He has flooded the earth with his words and he floods your mind with words and he floods your life with lies to destroy you. He is furious, he is angry. He would love to destroy your marriage, your family, your hope. And he does it with what? What comes out of it? He has flooded the world with words and his words destroy. All right, turn all the way to the other side of the Bible. Let's watch it happen. Genesis chapter three. This is the first time he shows up in world history. If you're familiar with Genesis chapters one and two, it was a good deal. Our heavenly father created a beautiful earth. It was wonderful. He put men and women in it. It, it was just, it was paradise. It was perfect. Everything was great till guess who showed up? Right, let me tell you what the Bible teaches us about that one of these days, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says this, right now we just have partial knowledge. None of us know very much, even if we think we do. But the Bible said when we see Jesus face to face, we're perfected, we will have perfect knowledge. We'll see everything clearly. And a couple, well, there's two things that are gonna happen to us. Number one, we're gonna realize I underestimated how much he was screwing with me. When we have perfect knowledge, we're gonna say, I underestimated how much he was messing with me while I was on that planet. Let me tell you what the Bible says. The second thing we're gonna realize is, and this is in Ezekiel, we will look upon him and say, that is the man who brought the world captive. You're gonna be so ill at yourself for letting him mess you up when you realize what a punk he was and what you could have done to him. So we need to do two things. Number one, he is real. Number two, I'm fixing to kick his fanny till his nose bleeds. I don't know, I'm not, I know that's not scriptural language, but I got to put this in a language you can understand. I am not going to let a puny enemy wear my head out and screw my home up. If Jesus has given me his tools, there's no excuse for it. But guess what? You don't get in a ball game, you get whooped. All right, Genesis chapter three, everything's wonderful until something happens in verse three, chapter three. Now the serpent was more what? Cunning, listen to me. Don't you dare think you can outsmart him. Run to God's word, run to his word. The enemy was more cunning than any other beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God say you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Time out. How many of you think he knew exactly good and well he'd said that? All right, listen, listen to what your preacher fix and say. He's lying. Guess what he does every time he opens his mouth? He knew the truth. What's he always trying to do? Find out if people know truth. He's always trying to find out if people know truth. He said, did he say that? And uh, 
Verse two, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of any tree of the garden, but the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, he said, you shall not eat it, touch it or you will die. All right. She, hey, she's doing good, isn't she? She's speaking God's word, speaking truth. Verse four, the serpent said to her, you will not die. <laughs> is he lying? Isn't it funny how every time he opens his mouth, he tells a lie. And here, here's the question. Look, look with me carefully right here. All right, here's this woman. She's got the truth of God. She's got the lie of the enemy. Which one should go with? She went with the lie. She went with the lie. And what happened because she believed the lie? Pick up this morning's paper and read it. Everything you see in this nation right now came out of believing the lie over believing the demon. It's all about truth versus a lie. It's all about believing the truth and rejecting the lies. Uh, this, is how he, this is how he operates. Doing our freedom is his word. Let me quote it again. John 8, 31, 32. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, if, if you'll live in my word, you'll know the truth and the truth will keep you free. All right, let me go a little further. Has anybody here ever believed a lie? We all have. Well, as Charlie Daniel says, we've all been charmed. All right, how many of you have believed a lie so much, so long that it, that it dictates your life now? What's that called? That's called a stronghold. A stronghold is when you believe a lie for so long that you live out of it. I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And let's, let's get some of this stuff out of us here. 2 Corinthians 10. Then we'll give you some examples of how strongholds, guess why it's called a stronghold? Because it gets a stronghold on your life. And it, and it just robs you. I, I know people that are paralyzed by this stuff. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Let's read two verses about strongholds here. Let's read verse three. Let's throw that in too. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Verse four, the weapons of our warfare, time out. If you're not in a war, why is he talking like this? And we got to start believing this book. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, which means human nature, but mighty in God. And what do we do with them? For pulling down strongholds. We've been given the word of God to get this garbage out of our lives, to pull down strongholds, casting down arguments or imaginations, lies, and every high thing that exalts itself against the truth of God till we bring every what? Does it say thought? Where's the battle take place? It's in your head. Every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Let me define a stronghold for you. A stronghold is a lie I have believed so long it becomes my reality. A stronghold is when I believe a lie for so long that that becomes truth to me. That's my reality. Um, if you believe a lie, it becomes your truth. Listen to Proverbs 23, 7. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. If you believe something long enough, you will become that. I'm going to give you an example. Uh, um, let me just give you an example. I, uh, I hear people all the time, I can't do anything right. I'm not a very good Christian. I, I'm, I've heard, I have people say this, I'm such a loser. Where do you get this stuff from? So Brother Brian, if you knew me, no, 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 listen to me. That's a stronghold that the enemy has built into your life. What happens if you believe it over time? You will act it out. You'll live out of that. I, we, we live out of what we believe. All right, let me give you one example. Turn, I'm just gonna show you one example. Turn me a few pages to Colossians chapter one. I see believers crippled all the time when it's not truth. All right, if I were to ask you, 
I'm going to find out whether you, I'm going to find out whether the enemy has made headway in your life or not right here. I've had people say to me, well, I'm not as good a Christian as they are. I'm not a very good Christian. What can that even mean? Friend, you either born or you ain't. If I were to ask everybody in this room to go to me and say, tell me what God thinks of you right now. They said, Brother Brown, I'm, I'm on a bad run right now. I don't think he's real pleased with me. Or whatever. I'm out of your heart. Just be honest. He's staring at you right now. Tell me what he sees. You know, this, this is important. You can't pray to somebody that's mad at you. You can't trust somebody to give you something that you think is disgusted with you. He's staring at you right now. Tell me what he sees. Where are we going to find out from? How about, how about it is written? Would y'all trust it is written? I'm not going to tell you. Let's trust it is written. Look at me in Colossians chapter 1. Remember this verse. Verse 21. Colossians 1, 21. You, guess what you means? I'm talking to you, doc. You who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works. How many of you were far from God at one time? Right there, there was a time we were his enemies because of our works. We were enemies Yet now Jesus has reconciled. What does reconciled mean? Brought back. I read verse 22. In the body of his flesh through death. What's it talking about? The cross. We had communion this morning. We're pointing back to communion here. All right, now watch these words. Verse 22. In the body of his flesh through death to present you holy, perfect, above reproach in his sight. When I ask you what God thinks about you, if you didn't say, I am holy, I am perfect, I am above reproach, that's what he thinks about me, then you don't know what he thinks. Did I just, did I make this up or did you read this in God's word? Then it was until you feel in your heart, like what I just read right there, the enemy still got ground in you. That's why we take the word of God and we pull down those strongholds and get rid of that garbage so we can be free and walk in that truth. You know what it means beyond reproach? Uh, there's a few people in my life, if you were to come to me and say, I, I, I've seen so-and-so do something bad. I know them so well. I would just say, shut your face. I ain't listening to it. That means beyond you. I won't even listen to anything you've got bad to say about them. Beyond reproach. My enemy goes before the father and he says, let me tell you what bigger is. He says, shut your face. I'm not hearing it about him. He is beyond, you're talking about my perfect son. You say, Brother Brian, you're not perfect. It didn't say in your eyes, it said in his eyes. You say, how can somebody that stumbles like me be considered perfect by God? You just don't get the cross, do you? Dear ones, that, that is the power of the cross. Read it again. I once was alienated, but in his body through his death, he has made me holy, beautiful, perfect, and beyond reproach in God's eyes. There was the way your father sees you is very important to your life. And there was, this is just one example of how truth gets inside of us and sets us free. Now, what if you think God's mad at you and, you can't, and you're one of them, you can't get it right and he's disgusted with you. What's that gonna do to your life? Do you understand how truth sets us free and, and this great battle that goes along like this? All righty. Um, let, let's... Uh, we walk on two legs. You know that spiritually. Our two legs are what I believe about God and what I believe about me. The two legs we walk on are how I perceive God and how I perceive me. If either one of those is messed up, guess what we call you? A cripple. And it's hard to walk through life till you get both of those right. How many of you have ever, uh, let me see if I can find it here. How many of you have ever uh, 
Turn loose, Ruth. How many of you ever seen this little thing right here? Eat that. Until you think exactly like this says, you've got strongholds in your life. Until when, you, when I say, who is God? And you say, he is love, he is peace, he is freedom, he's tenderhearted, he's engaged, he's excited, he's beautiful, he's passionate, he's gracious, he's a friend, he's my father. Until, you, until that's just in here, you still have trouble. If I say, tell me who you, who you are, and you say to me, I am predestined by God, I'm chosen, I'm his son or daughter, I, he adores me. He, that's Ephesians 5, 29. He adored until, guess what happens when all that gets inside of here? Now you got truth on the inside and you're walking in the truth and you're living in freedom. That's why we do, that's why the, uh, the great need is uh, the way your enemy steals, kills and destroys is to worm garbage into your head, which then goes down into your heart and then you live out of it. The way your, your savior sets you free is to get the truth inside of you and liberation comes by hearing truth. And you begin to walk it out and we begin to live like that. Let me, let me wrap up by saying this. All righty. And dear ones, how can I say this? The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty, but they're not automatic. You can't listen to me say it one time. If you've been, leaving, if you've been believing a lie for 32 years, I'm not going to get it out in five seconds. That's why you got to hear it over and over. That's why he said, abide in my word. Uh, see this thing right here? I read it every day. I, I can quote it. Every verse in there, I can quote it frontwards and backwards. I'm not, it's not getting it in my head, it's getting down in my heart. And when you get this inside of you, you begin to live out of this stuff. And it begins to become a reality to you. All righty. Let, uh, let me finish up by saying this. Uh, this is a full-time job but truth and freedom equal life inside of us. How sad it would be when we get to glory and find out I didn't have to live like that. I was a champion, an overcomer, a conqueror. All the resources of heaven were mine. I could have lived free. I want us to learn to do what Jesus did when he simply says this, when he takes the word and he walks in that freedom. This, this is not complicated. It's just a matter of knowing the truth where Jesus says assaulted constantly. He just said, it is written, it is written. It is written. All right, one time my kids are little and I heard one of them, they had friends over there and one of them said, go ask your daddy about something. And they said, and they said, you know what he'll say? You know what he'll say? What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? <laughs> we need to live our lives saying, what does the Bible say? When you wake up every morning, one of the dumbest things you can do is ask yourself how you feel. Especially if you're this age. Why would you ask yourself how you feel? Why don't you tell yourself how you feel? Why would you just get in your head and knock around and wonder what kind of day this is going to be? Why don't you declare by God's word, this is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. Why don't you live out of God's word? Don't just tote it around, live out of it. And I'm not talking about reading Leviticus all the way through. God have mercy. <laughs> Find the nuggets of truth that are camped in there and live in those nuggets of truth. Find the truth and be set free in it. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I want to praise you and thank you. This must be truth because I have never battled like I have to stand up here this morning. And the enemy has been crushed again by your word. I want to thank you and praise you that truth sets people free. And I believe you now to take this truth molded into the hearts of people. 
And I thank you for your word that is our absolute deliverance. I just give you all the praise and glory for your goodness in our lives. Thank you for your great kindness. I just want to thank you and praise you that though we live in a war zone, we have been given superior weapons to our enemies' lives. I thank you that truth always trumps a lie. And now I pray for my friends here. Father, I see so many believers that are, they're just crippled. They're terrified of what other people think about them, which is a hellish bondage. The only thing I need to know is what my father thinks about me. They're inhibited. They can't do things because they don't think they can. They're beat to death by past things that you have buried into the depths of the sea. I watch believers that are prisoners of war all the time. And it's, it's so, it need not be. Thank you that your word is absolute truth and freedom and life and hope and grace. And I pray in Jesus' name, only you can do this. A hunger and an appetite for the truth of God in every area. That we'll begin to see from heaven's perspective. I trust you for that. Thank you for the goodness of the Lord. Lord Jesus, I want to praise you and thank you. When you died on that cross, you not only secured our eternal salvation, you gave us everything we need for this life too. I trust you for that. Let Jesus be glorified in everything we do. In his precious name we pray, amen.